Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guests' voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of civil engineering. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So I know from having met you briefly that you are a very busy woman juggling not just career, but also motherhood and, you know, all the different things that women aspire to having in their life. How are you coping with all of that? I think it varies at different stages. At the stage now, I've got teenagers. Um, and life just just keeps changing. So at the moment I'm juggling, it's a different juggle to when you were little. Um, career is trying to get back on track now because I've sort of got a window where I see, oh great, I can get going mm. again. Um, but in between that, it's been a bit sporadic because of the demands from home. Yeah. I mean, first of all, why did you choose a career like civil engineering? I mean, did you know back then that it was a very male dominated industry? Yes, I did know that, but I think it was a time, I mean, I always, the obvious question I used to get was why civil engineering? Actually, I applied for it, initially I applied for electronic engineering because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but I was lucky enough to get into Cambridge, which does a general engineering course. And once I got there, I discovered I hated electronics and somehow generally veered towards civil. So it wasn't a thing that's, I mean, it's very hard for people to pick age 17, 16, 17, I'm going to do that branch, because you don't really know. And I think I was in an all girls school and, you know, they didn't have a clue, quite frankly. Um, I guess the main reason I chose engineering was I was good at science and didn't want to do medicine. It's the simplest reason to explain it. So take me right back to when you were a little girl. Like, why, why did you tend towards the sciences in the first place? Um... I don't know really. I suppose I was good at maths, um, and uh, there's a point. I think the the main reason it was I could do them is the really honest answer. Um, I mean, I think there's points when I did love history and geography, but my writing wasn't as good, whereas my numeracy was better, and it was simple as that. Whether my interests lay that way, I think there's times when I think I'm. I, I still love history. I still love looking at things to do with history, but it was almost to do with you get driven where you're achieving more. Yeah, yeah. I always have noticed about myself that I excel in areas where I have success and each success kind of encourages me to push myself further in that field. Um, was that what it was like with you and maths? I think it is that. I think there's a point that I was in just relative to other students at school or what have you, I was top in the sciences um, and therefore you carried on that way in that direction. I can't say I ever loved physics. I didn't. I, I really just, but I seem mm, to be able to do it. Yeah. So did you have kind of role models or anyone inspiring you to keep pursuing what you were good at? No. no um, I suppose my father was quite good at actually always saying, oh, well, I think that would be good for you, but and never discouraging me. But I didn't have any at all. There were no role models at all. So it was an all-girls school where a lot of girls did science, but they all mm. went into the medical side. Um, and quite frankly, at university, I think there's times when I think there was one girl per college doing engineering. So you didn't have anyone else there. The only time I can say I was possibly inspired was my final year of engineering. I finally had a female supervisor for my project. And I don't know why that just clicked. And therefore, I ended up doing a PhD right. with her. Yeah, my, a lot of my friends at school went into medicine as well. 
kind of strange. And everyone back then used to say to me, why are you going into mechanical engineering? You know, you're going to just be surrounded by a bunch of guys and that could be tough. Um, were you worried? Like, did you have any kind of anticipation or trepidation? No, I think I was a bit naive in that respect, actually. I think there was a point early on when it was all... I think the age I am when it was all, oh, it'd be really good if women went into engineering and I just got carried along with, this is great, without thinking the other side of it was, there are no women in it, or there were very few at that time. Mm. And therefore, to start with, it was quite, I was a bit different and that was quite good and probably helped me a little. Yeah. Um, but then later on, I don't, when I sort of went after my PhD back into industry, uh, I don't feel, I think there was issues to do with being female that didn't help. Okay, so how were you different? from most other girls back then? Well, I guess it, it was just the fact that the, I was the only girl doing engineering in my college, mm. and therefore, and I was always the, on, and the only girl that I was sponsored, and I was the only girl on the course to being sponsored, so I was always the only one. Yeah. It was, it was very tokenism in that sta- at that time. Yeah, because I, um, I grew up always being very different. You know, in my intro, I say I'm a minority within a minority. And so I was always used to being the odd one out. And so going into engineering didn't feel any different to my previous experiences. Um, yeah, I was going to say I agree with that. I think I was, the, I mean, I laugh because at school when it came to playing a musical instrument, I chose the trombone. I think I like to be awkward somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I did laugh because one of my friends I was doing a PhD with and she said, oh, I did the bagpipes. And I'm thinking, good God, there's something about this. We, we obviously <laughs> were, were striving not to follow the, the normal mode. Yeah, yeah. And I, I must say, I, um, I still struggle with that today. Uh, this kind of familiarity with being the odd one out and kind of um, always being a bit different. And... I do find that very often I'm up against people kind of scratching their heads, looking at me, just going, I can't work you out. Do you, have you experienced that? I think that less now, possibly because I, I maybe because I've got the other side of me where I'm with children, that I was mm. generally surrounded by other mothers. So you suddenly had the female contact that I hadn't had through work. And I did... I was a little different there because I, part of me did want to have the career. Um, mm. Not everyone does. Um, so, and I, but I don't think I felt not one out there. I think it was, and now I'm in academia, there's a lot more women in academia than men, but we don't, not, not more women, sorry, there's more women, that's, that's coming out wrong. There's more women as a percentage compared to sort of industry in my area. Mm. Um, so it wasn't that we were more represented, but we don't get very far. That's the only sort of downside on that. Is it like architecture in that sense? Because women, a lot of women enjoy going into architecture, but they don't last because to get senior in that industry, you have to put in a lot of time. You have to give your entire careers and often motherhood gets in the way of that. Oh yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I was thought my career was going on all right until the minute I said I was um, pregnant, it was just like, oh. And then when I said I was quite fancy coming back part time, I was crossed off. It was always, and that's at a really crucial stage where you're really trying to advance. Mm. It is sort of, I was sort of um, early 30s at that point. Um, and you're just at that point where you can strive from being sort of junior to sort of moving more senior roles. Yeah. And I was just crossed off from them. Yeah. Honestly, every single episode, I'm always, um, we're always stumbling across the dilemma and debate about how you juggle both motherhood and career and that's why I was so keen to get you on the show because you're doing it you're living it you know yeah I I mean it's funny because a lot of people I know gave up work when they had children and I was actually I carried on when mine were little Um, they were actually easier when they're in the baby stage it was harder when it was later on when they were sort of um, junior school the more demands that are put on parents then that you feel so guilty about that you have to be there for that I found that as hard a stage it was a, mm. it was then when I could leave them and pick them up and that was all in my control but when they became more identities in their own right you suddenly had to take them to clubs and do think there was so much more demands of you I think from about seven eight nine at that point it was like non-stop and I think that really took its toll 
And how old are your kids now? Now they're 16 and 17. No, 16 and, and 18, and I can't even remember, yeah. <laughs> and and how, how are you finding it? Um, it's still very challenging. I have my 16-year-old has ADHD, um, and he's a challenge and always has been a challenge and always probably will be a challenge. So he just takes even more than a normal child, I have to say. Um, mm. So, and the older ones just applying to university. So I say you've always got something else that you're going through with them. Yeah. I mean, my working day, you, know, you get home and you're dealing with cooking for them and dealing with their issues. And they're also selfish. Yeah. They don't actually ever think you have anything. <laughs> so how has it been trying to squeeze in your career? I mean, where are your priorities when it comes to your career in civil engineering? Well, my, I think my career, I carried on fine being part time till the children were about uh how old were they uh eight and ten probably that was and literally i sort of blew up at that point i was trying to do too much i was trying to get promoted i was trying to there was all these criteria to get um into academia you have to get into the research assessment exercise which means and i tried to be in there i try i had to basically work as a full-time person in part-time hours and i worked really hard to do that and in the end they said we're not putting any part-time person forward which just after making loads of effort and having big demands at home, I just, it, oh, it made me ill, if I want to be honest. It made me, it, it was just finally my blow up moment. Um, yeah. so, so I got out of academia um, and did slightly less jobs, which I did with what a lot of women do. We all end up, I did look at teaching, I, um, I didn't take that further, but I actually ended up working for local government, um, which was very flexible, worked around the kids, was right. fine, but you don't get yeah. anywhere. So my career became sort of stagnant. It rolled on, but it wasn't doing anything. Um, and now That's I've just so had this opportunity to get back in and I'm just trying to do my best to try relaunch myself. It's so incredible to think, you know, Cambridge graduate, um, you know, you want to excel in your career. You want to, you know, make a difference, make an impact. Um, and by having kids, you literally have to put that ambition to one side. Um, yeah, I think you either have to put it to one side. It, it's your balance. You, I always grew up believing I could do everything. And unfortunately, you, I think you can't. The one people I know who have maintained a career did work full time with their children at nurseries. Mm. And I chose not to do that. And I'm not sure what is the right balance. It's just saying that's the reality of it. Yeah, because it becomes like a moral dilemma, doesn't it? Because it's really about how much uh, input you want to have in raising your own children. Really. Absolutely. I think when they're, certainly when they're very little, you feel you, you, you want to do, well, you do it all times. To be honest, they do rather take over. Mm. Um, and you, sometimes you, there's a point where you feel you can forget yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's almost important to remember that and get back in. And that's, I remember when I was ill, somebody saying, you need to get back to work because it's, it's really important to you. Mm. And they were right. And I hadn't realised that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't know what the right answers are. And I would say that I'm kind of at a crucial time in my own life where, um, you know, I'm heading towards the end of my biological clock. And um, I do look at a lot of my friends that have children and I think, wow, I really missed that boat because I don't have children myself. But when I go back over my history, it couldn't have been any other way because I really needed to focus on my work in order to get anywhere. And even today, you know, I'm, my, my work consumes me I don't even know how I would be able to look after other people because I'm you know barely looking after myself you you end up having your children consuming you is the other way um and it's there's some balance in between that but I don't know what they are you know that you it's almost trying to be happy with what you're achieving in work and realizing you can't be everything um but I do slightly resent it you know I, I have to say I have resentment that I haven't quite achieved what I wanted to yeah because yeah. I gave up a lot yeah yeah I find it fascinating um and I especially find it fascinating listening to someone like you because clearly you had all the capabilities in STEM you know people don't get to Cambridge easily <laughs> 
And yet something like motherhood kind of made you have to, as you say, accept, but also compromise on what you are able to strive for. Yeah, you don't, I don't think I realised at the time how much I was compromising. There's things you do because you're working part-time and I felt like I was still doing it all, but you don't do... I look back and it's... Um, at the moment I'm applying to be chartered and it's, I left it because I was going to do it when I had children and funnily enough I was too busy. Um, and I'm now doing it now and I look back and realise the things that I didn't do because I was part-time. And the one thing I didn't do was network. Everything like going to meetings, going to conferences, going to just talk to other people in your field that didn't happen you didn't have evenings so you never went out to see people right. um and you didn't have spare days to go off because you, every minute was used to get on with your work so i think that stage that disappeared and i think that actually is more crucial than i realized at the time mm. yeah how supportive is your partner um he's very supportive he's very i mean I, i'm very lucky with my partner he is it's brilliant in how supportive he is and all the rest. Mm. But I do think things change at the beginning where you used to do everything 50-50 yeah. and it slowly went the other way. And there's times when I'm thinking, why am I doing all the cleaning? What, you know, what happened? <laughs> but then the yeah. other side of the thing is he now earns so much more than me mm. that I have to sort of feel like, no, you need to work. <laughs> You're bringing in the money. I better do the washing. Right. Yeah. Gosh, it's so, really... But I do, I mean, I have to say, I can't, I have a... I have a pretty supportive partner. I think I see other people who don't, who don't, there's amazing how people I have partners who don't want their wives to work or partners. Mm. Or, and it's like, what? You know, that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, one of the experiences I've had is that, um, you know, it's incredibly uh, impressive, I guess, on the outside when a woman is excelling in her career and very focused and driven. Um, but the minute you get into a relationship, what I find is uh, that drive and ambition that once impressed someone actually ends up being very threatening. Yeah. I think um, that I, I hear it here, actually, there's somebody, I've got um, there's a, men, we get a, have a mentor scheme and I, my mentor recently changed. And so I've, ended up, I've, I've got a lady professor and everyone's comment about her is, oh, she's scary. Mm. And I feel like, no, you mean she's got on and done really well. Yeah, and it's interesting that it's people's perceptions of women that have achieved a lot is they are, you know, scary. Yeah, and that's another thing about being in STEM subjects. I mean, I don't really know about any other industry, but within STEM subjects, because they tend to be very male dominated, it's almost like the women in STEM have to be more masculine. Yeah. And I certainly I don't know if they feel are. That. I don't know if they just are, because I mean, there's a point when I, um, I always laugh because I think there was a thing, I went to a thing on children once when they explained that your child could be something between Kylie Minogue and Arnie, and you really don't know on anything. And you, <laughs> you're sitting there and you're going, yeah, you don't know, you know, and then you look at myself and I'm thinking, I'm quite small, I'm quite feminine, but I'm not, I'm sort of male in many attitudes, in some of my attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and therefore it's sort of, you know, I, I can see where I belong on different, you know, paths or what have you with just my own, I don't know, just how I am. Um, and I know times I'm, I'm seen as being aggressive or I'm seen as very short. I don't have the nurturing, lovely, um, I don't have the language actually a lot of women have, which makes yeah. it be seem harsher. Yeah. And how is that fared with your children? Uh, oh, I don't know. I think you'd have to, that we'd have to ask them. I think, um, I don't know. I think I, th I look at some of my other mum. There's, there's p things when they used to talk about, oh, so and so is a lovely mum, and you can see it because she's very nurturing. Mm. I don't think they'd be saying it about me. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, I find that fascinating um, because I'm often told that I have a very masculine attitude. Um, and I think that's kind of true. Like, I am very no nonsense um i don't have time for faff yeah now, you see, I, th I didn't know that was masking because i'm also northern so i always thought that was part of me being northern but <laughs> yeah no well yeah maybe i have northern roots but i i just mm. I, I i really don't have time for faff or kind of small talk no. um and so i get irritated in meetings that are like that it's like can we just get on with it you yeah. know i don't have time for this let's yeah. just get to the point yeah yeah 
And, and people often say to me, gosh, you know, you're very intense and you're very kind of um, bossy and stubborn. But actually, it's just that I don't have that kind of tolerant, patient, nurturing, accepting. No, I don't think I have yeah, no, I'm not there either. I think that's exactly it. I'm not very patient with people. Yeah. yeah. But, but I don't think that's partly because I say it's the, I part, thought part of that was my lifestyle at the moment, which is your time is so precious. It's like, no, I haven't got time for this. Let's, you know, I, let, can we just get on with it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I salute you because, you know, you managed to still have children. I think my uh, characteristics in that sense are so extreme that, you know, that's why I've never really prioritised other people. Maybe I'm just absolutely selfish and narcissistic. I don't know. But, um, you know, I just, it's been a real struggle to even contemplate um, that sort of feminine side of raising a family and things, which is why I'm in awe that you've managed well, to... Well, I, I know I really wanted to, because actually I struggled to have children. And there was a point when I was, you know, I was, it, it didn't come as, you imagine, I want them, I expect to get pregnant, and that didn't happen. So yeah. I definitely, I know I really wanted them for mm. there's a few years where I was desperately wanting them. Um, so I definitely had some big urge to have children. Mm. And did you have them quite late? Or... No, I was about, what was I? I think I was 33 and 35. Right, okay. So according to my mother, I was terribly late because generations have changed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, speak to different women uh, for this podcast and it is really interesting how a lot of women either don't want kids or have absolutely no maternal drive and um, you know and I wonder if there is a correlation between zero maternal drive and going into STEM subjects. Um, no idea. Yeah because I haven't met too many that are in you know are also mothers and holding down STEM careers. At the same time, the, the women that do have uh, children really believe that flexibility at work is the only way that you can have it all. Yes, flexibility is, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm back in academia and I'm, I like the fact that I, I come in when I want and I leave when I want. I do mm. way over the hours, but they're my hours. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the attitude towards flexibility at work is completely wrong in industry oh, I, feel... yeah, I mean I have to say I left I left one job because of it and it partly because I'd been I'd probably spent too long in academia so that when I went and then worked for local government which was also pretty good and then when I worked for a consultancy it was like I got told off for taking longer for lunch one day and it was like sorry what you know of course I'll make up the time yeah. but it was really odd yeah I I mean one guest that I had um, described her work uh, attitudes towards her having a baby as almost like being handicapped. Mm. Like it, it, it sudden, she suddenly became like incapable of managing a team anymore. Um, she was given really menial tasks when she had been juggling um, tw 25 staff and multi-million pound projects. Yeah, I think they see you as unreliable. I think there's a point where they think for some reason you're just going to disappear off to do this or you're going to go off to that. And there's a perception there, which means they, there's, there's a whole load of reasons why. But it's, yes, it's, it happens here. You see people, the part-time people get the menial jobs. They don't get the jobs that lead to promotion. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's them being kind and lenient or whether that's them being unfair. Because, you know, the truth is that you can't be 100% reliable when you've got other priorities. Yes, I think that it's, I mean, so there's, other, there's, there's different worlds that I've worked in. It depends, like in academia, they always make admissions tutor female. It's a job that doesn't get you anywhere, but they like to show a female face to the outside world as well. Um, yeah. And that just seems to be one that's always given to women. The other side, I think, as I was going to say, about when I worked in consultancy, I'm building sites, well, it's a nightmare. I, I realised when I was, my children were in their early teenagers and I worked for consultancy and I had to get, I had to get to the other side of London for eight o'clock in the morning. Well, it's hard enough to work out childcare after school, before school, uh, really difficult. 
Yeah. My partner also was in London, so he commutes. So he was, we just, it was that, oh, okay, well, what do I do between six and eight when I'm not, no one's in the house? They don't yeah. think about that side of things. I found the, that killed off that job really, because I couldn't do the hours that they wanted because I had children and they didn't get it. And I felt really awkward because they'd say things like, oh, there's this job coming up. Can you do it? And I'm like going, how do you hate saying I can't do that? Yeah. I mean, was it just a job that wasn't suitable for you or um, could you have made it work if they had been more flexible? I, I, it's a bit of both. It was, and I think I realised it wasn't for me because I couldn't, I always felt that I, I was asking too much of them because their world didn't work right in my world. Their, their times did not fit um, school times. It was a small company and it was interesting because one of the directors was female, but her children were at boarding school. Right. And it was like, yeah, you don't get it. Yeah. So, and you just feel awkward all the time saying when they go, oh, can you swap your day? Because we need this building site on a Wednesday. I'm going, well, I haven't got childcare on a Wednesday. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, but move it. And you're like, it, yeah. it doesn't work like that. I mean, are we expecting too much from industry? Um, wanting... Uh, them to be flexible about parenting. I actually think they no. I think we are, we need them to wake up now. I think it's we've 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 gone through that bit of wondering if it's our problem, and then realising no, we need women to be in the workforce. Everyone knows it makes companies yeah. better to be more diverse in all ways, and therefore to accommodate that, companies need to think beyond nine to five working or for building sites it's a building sites is a difficult one because you're working with too many other trades and they're and the daylight hours and how it all works but that doesn't mean they can't think of things and we can't sort some of this out and i think there's also you know if you think of you couldn't just put it as a women's thing because i think we would if men would take on more responsibility for the caring then everyone yeah. would be have the yeah. same issue i think that's certainly true that attitudes towards paternity and maternity responsibilities need to be equalized because i think there's been far too much yes. i mean if we look at it on on face value or at face value men can have it all they can have families they can have yeah. relationships they can have a high powered job and it's all because women share the burden of having it all but if women were to have it all um we need men to help us out. Yeah. I've, I've been to so many talks where people, particularly in academia, where basically successful people have explained how they got to where they got, which, and it's so many, you know, you're looking at being, how do you get to be a professor at 35? And you realise, hasn't had a career break. There's just nothing, you're just thinking you're totally supportive in what you're doing. Um, and the, the issue of kids isn't really affecting his life. So... And you just sometimes feel part of all that saying, yeah, but what about the other side of your life? You know, who's paddling, who's, who's sorting out the rest of your life so you could get here? Yeah. I have been researching for a story on uh, Dark Matter, uh, a film I'm going to do soon. And the founder of the whole concept of Dark Matter and Dark Energy um, was started by a woman called Vera Rubin. And the right. amount of rejection she faced with her ideas and her brilliance. Uh, I mean, she was rejected from Princeton, for example. Um, but, you know, an absolutely gifted um, genius of a physicist. And um, just, because, just because she was female, she was not able to excel. Um, and I just... I don't know where to start with this issue because women have so much to give. They also are the gender that carries the baby for nine months and is biologically wired to nurture that child once it's born. And I don't know why attitudes can't be such that we accept that women can be brilliant and also bear children. One doesn't rule out the other. Yes, I do. Yeah, no, I mean, it's back to sort of people in, I, mean, I remember when I was at Cambridge and there was a, one of the lecturers I had was a lady called Anne Dowling. And I always remember when she got to be made professor, I heard the gossip, which was, it's because she's a yeah. woman. Um, she's gone on phenomenally. She's now a dame, professor dame of all sorts. But her first, her big promotion 
was resented or was seen as it's just a female. It's, we had to make a woman a mm. professor was all yeah. I heard. And I was horrified by that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess um, attitudes do need to change. And I don't think it's just within STEM that attitudes need to change um, towards what is expected of men and what's expected of women when it comes to raising children. Um, and I just wish attitudes could change. And uh, I, f I wish that male attitudes could soften towards their part in raising children and men could actually see it as macho an alpha male to take a greater part in the role of parenting unfortunately i've seen the other side of that because it was somebody in our village i remember there was a bloke his wife had this successful career so he gave up and he was treated badly by the other men they really looked down on him mm. Yeah. You know, I've often said that I wish more men could listen to this podcast rather than <laughs> women, because I don't think we need to change female attitudes. I think women, apart from really needing to kind of stick together and support each other, I think women are just fighting a battle which is nowhere near being won yet. I think there's a thing, I'm, I'm a Daphne Jackson fellow, which is fellowship which is brilliant it's for women who are particularly who've had a career break so it's people returning and we had a conference recently and at the conference they got some of the old fellows to come and do a five minute talk they were only allowed four slides and they had to explain their career and one lady did the most amazing talk where she had a graph of success and another graph of what her life was doing um, and partway through she said oh I've got my PhD I got my postdoc I was doing really well wanted a baby got married, had my child, lost the child. And she did this graph with a drop at that point. She then went on how she picked herself up again. She had twins. She then um, was a carer for her uh, father. And she then he died and she went, her career dropped again. And it was a talk that everybody was just gasping in. And afterwards, it's the first time a bloke came up to me, goes, I've never got it before then. I've got it now. I can see, I said, that was quite drastic impact, but I saw what that did to that woman. Mm. And it was really, it just was brilliant. She actually, there was, she won a prize for the best talk, actually, and it was not surprising because it was so frank and so brilliant. And what were the key messages of that talk? The key messages was really, well, she was just showing how, how real life affects you, how it, it will affect your career. You can pick up again, and she showed how she'd picked up again, and, but she'd had to have, you know, it was almost, she'd got this fellowship, as she was saying, this fellowship had picked her up again when she was, things had gone really wrong, um, and she and able to sort herself out again. But it, the one thing about my fellowship, which is brilliant, every time we've seen a talk, if people always bring in, they talk about their science and they will always talk about their children or whatever that's going on in their other life to show it's not just about my career. Yes, 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 yes. And that I think is such a crucial point is that, you know, it's really important to have careers and apply yourself and you know express your talents through your work but what is more important than that is the quality of your life yeah you know the the way you're able to relate to others and you know sorry to get all kind of <laughs> mushy but kind of the the quality of how much you can love yeah no, I think it's, it, well, it was, it's really interesting because it's almost you saying about the other side of getting men to understand more. In actual fact, maybe they need to accept the other side of their life more as well. They've got to realise it's not just the career. Mm, yeah. And everything, you know, I think it's the real difference between being head-led and being heart-led. Mm -hmm. Because I think um, in STEM subjects, certainly this has been my experience, everything is really head-led. Everything's rational, everything's yes. thought through, it's very smart, it's very logical, methodical, and that's all, you know, exercising your brain. But what I think is really lacking in STEM is the ability to use our hearts, you know, be driven by instinct and gut and 
kind of how you're feeling and emotions. I mean, you know, often I talk to scientists, especially through my work, where emotion just does not come into it. I think we're renowned as having no emotions, aren't we? That's what they always that's what they always show on television. The scientist is always, you know, it's on Star well Star Trek or what have you. It's the person that is just an android, really. Yeah, like in their lab coats with yeah. their glasses, kind of looking at data and data points. And, you know, it's something that I've really struggled with as well, because, you know, I am very female in the sense that I'm massively emotional. Yes, um, I really sort of like feel and um, care and things like that. And if I, I remember in my engineering days, if I ever said, oh, I feel something or I'd like something or I get the sense that like it would instantly be shot down because it wasn't a data point. It wasn't factual. I have done some work with um, the psychology department here and it's really interesting and I really like it. It's, it's a bit bringing that in. It was a bit like I was doing work on air pollution and they were trying to, to get through. I mean, we, we did laugh because they would say, oh, we have to think about what air pollution's doing to the inner self. And I remember going, no, don't get that bit. What, what are they on about? Yeah. Oh, what? So you're confessing to have not been. Uh, oh, yeah, I've not been. Touchy feely in that sense. <laughs> yes. It was. But they're right because it's, it wasn't just. It, we were looking about what people's perception of air pollution. This was 20 years ago before. It's actually now a much bigger issue than it was when we were doing it. Um, and it yeah, was literally. Yeah. We, were, we were looking at what people. You know, we were saying, well, these are the levels. And we were asking people, do you think you live in a polluted town? You know, and asking people what they thought. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with climate change. You know, we've got all the data, we're collecting it, we're, you know, we can measure it um, and, and all the numbers are there to prove that it's happening. But my gosh, when you see a starving polar bear, like stranded on uh, an ice cap that has shrunk drastically and, you know, it can't find food um, and it can't walk the terrain it used to walk because everything's melted, um, you want to do something about it. And I feel like those emotions are lacking in STEM because women are not being allowed to fully express what they want to express as a result of being in STEM. We have to be too factual um, to, re to really... And it's not allowing us to flourish. But you might be right, because I mean, they always say, you know, it's what women flourish in is bringing in the other aspects. It's not just the data and the analysis. Um, so, but I have to admit, that's the bit I'm better at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now that you've gone a long way in your civil engineering career, would you do things differently career-wise? Yes. It's interesting, because I have had to give talks recently to new PhD students to sort of give them some advice. And you're sitting there going, right, mm. I'm trying to be blunt and honest, but how do I put in the... I, I actually couldn't bring myself to put the slide up, which was, do not go part-time. And it's almost like that's... It's almost not saying, no, don't do it, but I didn't think carefully enough about it and the implications. So there's things like that that I would definitely do differently. Would I have got... I probably... So you wouldn't go part-time? Um, I think I would have set it up better. I think if I was doing part-time, I think... I see people in here who do meant to be doing full time jobs and don't come in for so much of the time that there's there's other ways of doing it. Um, so right. or maybe I just the way I mean, I just did it where I just crammed more. I basically crammed a full time job into part time hours, which is a stupid way of doing it. Yeah. But that's what I felt mm -hmm. I had to do. So maybe I'll make the everything yeah. much better set up if I was going to do part time. Um, and I think I would literally I think there's things where I didn't think enough about the career and implications of anything. You just sort of did it. It's a bit like you saying, you did it with emotions. Right, I've got a baby, I need to look after him, um, I'll go part-time. But I didn't plan it. I think I should have planned it better and worked out what I was going to do. Mm. So by not going part-time, what you mean is opt for a flexible full-time job? Something like that. You know, mm. I look back and think it's... Um, and it, or, or it's not... I think just plan out the boundaries of what part-time means to someone because I think otherwise it's, it depends how other people interpret it as well. I think mm. that's just, it's both ways. It's, it's, it's almost saying to people, this is what I'm going to do if I'm working part-time and this is where I'm going to progress to. Um, rather than just, I just literally went part-time and just that was it. Um, so 
I just say, I think there's sort of five, six, seven years of my life. I didn't, I just went, I went on hold too much without planning anything where I could have done more. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a really key word, which is boundaries. And I think mm. women often have their boundaries trampled all over. Uh, yes. be- because we are the kind of more forgiving and giving gender generally. Speaking. Oh, you, you, you're just expected to be, when I was, you know, you, you actually had to say, I don't work that day and not give into it. I remember one of my colleagues actually said, there was a thing where she said, she says, don't put any pictures of children on your desk. And there's things like that that people used to do. It was just, and she got on really well. She just doesn't accept. She doesn't acknowledge she has children when she's at work. And I thought that was really sad. Mm. So yeah. I'm not sure that's the right way either, but I'm not answering your question here. Right? Actually, which is the, what would I do differently? Um, I don't know, really. I think it's, I look back where I made mistakes, but I don't think I would have known them at the time. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, this podcast has really given women a platform to talk about what they're struggling with and um, what they find unfair, et cetera, et cetera. But... Well, I think what we, haven't, yeah, what we haven't come to is the thing that I've done at the moment, which is if you've had a break to get back in, it's so hard. Right. You know, it's, it's almost like there is no path there. I mean, I've got this fellowship which was set up for this, but it's a very short fellowship and it's very hard to re-establish yourself um, in two years part-time. I mean, it's just... But in other careers, where is the coming back to work? It, I saw so many... All the women, these such intelligent women that were I used to see at the school gate, and they either worked as teaching assistants or for mm. the council. And it was almost like they all accepted much lower jobs because it fitted their that that part of their life. But then they don't know how to go back into the jobs that they used to have. And they, I've heard so many go, oh, I used to do this, I used to do that. But there's no way mm. back to it. Yeah. Women need more support, don't they? We're really kind of mm. um, blazing trails um, alone essentially so well i think we need we need more support but we also need um i think we also need people to recognize there's things about actually not realizing what skills we've gained by being yes. mothers nobody you know it's i they sort of say oh you're you know you did three years you didn't you were just a mum and you're like going you have no idea the organization that i have yeah. to, i i am capable of because i've been yes. just a mum i've also heard that you know being a mother really teaches you uh soft skills which are crucial mm-hmm. when working in teams. You know, in yes. terms of tolerance, patience, management, organisation, as you say. I mean, these are all absolutely fundamental. Yeah, but nobody acknowledges yeah. them. Nobody, you know, they just see it, you, you didn't do anything. Yeah. And you're thinking, no, I'm, I'm more mature. I've now got experience of so much more of life. But you're only looking at what have you done in civil engineering? Right. Yeah, the emotional intelligence that you must build up as a result of being a mother is incredible. Um, mm. And that is, severely li- that is severely lacking in the corporate and industrial world where um, people are expected to function like machines and there's no humanity. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, like, mm. uh, there's no empathy um, and you're absolutely right. I, I see motherhood as a very demanding full-time job. And, you know, I must confess, yeah. I've never thought about the skills that you gain as a result of that full-time job and just how crucial they are, actually. Well, the so I'm happy to write my stuff to get chartered, and I've just had to write my CV again. And you look at that, and you feel like, where, where do you put on the thing? Right, okay. Skills gained as mother, <laughs> you know, no one's going to, there's no, there's no role for that. There's nothing there on any textbook or any CV, but it is, it really exists. Yeah. And yet when you get into the corporate world and you've got two giant egos kind of mm. clashing and locking horns, you just think, you know, a bit of diversity and inclusivity could really help resolve that. Absolutely. I mean, well, there's other things. I mean, because I've got a son with ADHD, I've been on courses all about it. I know quite a lot about some special needs because I've been on these courses, mm. um, which you're thinking, it does make you look at people and all the, not look at people, but you do understand why people 
um, how they behave and what, what, where they're coming from a bit because I've I've looked at this um, and it's interesting, mm. you know, but it's um, but that's not, you know, who's going to say because I've got a child with ADHD, I've, I've gained a life skill. Right. Yeah. I mean, would you encourage women to go into STEM subjects given what you've gone through? Yes. I think it's um, it's tragic that we, I mean, I have to say my two teenagers have both just given up science, which I am gutted about. Um, Are they male or female? Male. Two boys. Um, yeah. But I'm still gutted that they're not doing science in any way. My older one is, well, he might just, he's going to do sports science. It's not quite the same and he is carrying on, but he just dropped physics. And I'm just like, oh. And the younger one has just Why? dropped chemistry. And this is because the A-levels, don't get me onto this subject, I mean, is that my younger one said, well, business studies is so easy compared to chemistry. And it's just really tragic that that's what's happening yeah. in sixth form. Um, so, and I think that it doesn't matter male or female. I, I, I just... the jobs you can get with... And also the jobs you can get with business studies. Yeah, no, it's just, and it's really sad when you see this and it's just the way we run the system. We, it's too, going down to three at 16 is a problem because, um, you, you, I, I think the girls that are probably quite good at maths and science might carry on with maths, but would they do economics and go that direction rather than the science? Just because of, for some reason, our attitudes in school and our society is not good. Um, I mean, you ha it's really odd because you can look at other We have a lot of students here, female students from Malaysia. Um, if you go to somewhere like Turkey, there's 25% female in the civil mm. engineering. We're, we're stuck at about 10%. Gosh. You know, you're thinking, why is it in countries that are actually, you know, you would think be more male dominated because um well maybe that's just a misconception that i have actually they have far more women going to engineering mm. than we have why is that i don't know i think we we still have this it's a dirty profession it's not because well we had this big debate was it, at the um conference last week and it's all this we definitely start from the age of you know we our girls wear pink and our girls do this and our girls do that and boys get yeah. it, we we split the, the gender is immediate from the minute you get your first clothing for your child absolutely yeah, it seems to be taking such a long time to shift stereotypes in this country, I must say, in the UK. I don't know if it's because engineering and science aren't as respected here as they are in other countries as well. Yeah. So we have to, we have to deal with that. That's a, um, so maybe girl, I mean, you, you sort of see girls that are good at science here are still, medicine is the way to go. You, you're, you get a lot better you know, respect if you're, if you're a doctor than if you're an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I've noticed about um, young people is they have a huge amount of work ahead of them when they enter school. And so they think to themselves, well, what's the easiest way to get qualified that will get me a good job at the end of it? And so studying something like business ticks all of those boxes. So why would you struggle to do subjects that are really hard? and don't come naturally. You know, it's very, it's kind of simple to work out um, why, why young people are dropping the sciences. Well, I had, because my son, he did AS levels and he had, he didn't, he had to decide when he, to give up history or physics. Um, and basically they said, the history course, he spoke to the history people and he said, oh, we finished the course in February, the exam's in end of May. And he goes from February to May, we'll look at exam questions. I spoke to the physics teacher who said, we don't finish. We can't get the stuff. We, there's too much in the course. Mm. So it was a no-brainer. He yeah. just went, well, I'll do the one that's better set up. So, you know, there's, there's a lot we have to address with our A-levels to encourage anyone into science at the moment. Yeah, so much needs to change, but it needs to start at grassroots and it needs to work all the way up to grown-up and adult attitudes towards gender and the, the roles that we play and the significance of what all genders bring to the table. There needs to be a mutual respect for each gender. And I don't know how that will be changed because for some reason, the idea of um, having children is seen almost as a disability in today's working world. And that uh, is heartbreaking. And so, that's why, you know, women like you that have pushed through it and been striving to have it all um, is so admirable. I've strived, but I haven't achieved. I mean, you know, at this point, I've, I've just muddled through. There's a few people here who do occasionally get through um, and they have had to really, you know, really mm. battle further than I have. Yeah. 
Well, I think you're doing a grand job and I completely admire you. I think you're an absolute power woman. And uh, it's, you know, keep up the... I was going to say keep up the fight because I feel like it hasn't been an easy ride. No, it hasn't. I definitely don't think... There's there's points when... I mean, I can say all sorts of things. When I was at um, consultancy, there was times when, you know, I did not let on that I could touch type. But it was amazing how much more secretarial work I had to do at times when we were under pressure kind of thing. And you like, oh, it's, we used to laugh about things. I mean, we had some awful screensavers that we used to put on, which my colleagues, which was sort of <laughs> rather frankly, it sort of said, got boobs, can load photocopier, because men never did it. You know, you, it was just the fact that we would, if it was empty, you'd mend the photocopier of yeah. paper, and men would just walk away. And it was simple things like that yeah. that we, you did notice. Well, in talking to you, I feel like STEM was never in question. It was always something that you were destined to do, and it sounds like it's something that you've always loved. And really, um, our conversation has highlighted that it's actually attitudes that need to change. Um, We need to give each other fairness and equality in order for us all to reach our fullest potentials. And so I would say that you definitely are someone that's championing that more women enter STEM. but you also have other messages to give females that want to enter the STEM world. Is that correct? That's uh, totally true, actually. It's not, it, I feel it's all through. It's not just the young ones into STEM. It's also maintaining those that are there, keeping them there. Right. Yes, and you're certainly one of them. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. You made me smile that you said you didn't think I'm championing it today, but that's great. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Um, what an incredible guest. I feel as though she, whether she realizes it or not, is really championing and a fantastic role model for all things female. You know, for someone to be juggling motherhood and a career at the same time and, and just pushing through it, not wanting the accolades, not wanting the recognition, but doing it because that's what she loves and that's what's driving her um, is completely inspiring and I'm in awe of um, having such a strong guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review and catch you next week on Silence.